Good evening from Plug Kid Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 510 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology for Sunday, October 21st, 2018. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Apple says they haven't been hacked. Google says it fixed a privacy problem. And Netflix says the EU is trying to limit content. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on any of our live stream platforms, including livestream.com, uh, Facebook, YouTube, uh, what? Twitch, Mixer, or Periscope. On social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Google Plus for a little while, or um, what? On any of the podcatchers including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, uh, the myriad of other podcatchers like Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, uh, and, of course, on our apps, pluckitslive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Like I said earlier, this here is F5 Live, refreshing technology, the flagship show on the Pluckets Live family of content. We are live Sunday nights at about 9 p.m. Eastern. And uh, we'll go for about an hour, and we'll talk about the news of the week, gadgets, gaming, internet, and media. Uh, if, you can, if you're able to join us live, you can do so by going to f5live.tv slash join us. And there you can chat with us in the chat room. Um, for whatever reason, the chat rooms are acting very strange tonight. So if you would like to interact with us, YouTube and Mixer appear to be the best places, because for some reason Twitch's uh, chat room won't load tonight. Never quite know. Um, if you're not able to join us live, that's okay. You can go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe and see all of our shows, including F5 Live, The Pilch Point, which will be on in a little bit. We'll talk about some bizarre things that people have found in computers. Um, our first look series, our special events show, and a whole bunch more. And with that, Abram, how have you been this week? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, you know, long, long week gone, long week to go. Uh, but, uh, lots of, uh, cool stuff, you know, happened this week. Uh, NVIDIA 2070 review came, came out, uh, review of the, uh, Core i9-9900K, uh, we put up. So, uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of neat stuff. Uh, a lot of neat products coming out and uh, you know, it's kind of prime time for companies to sort of be slipping things onto the market right in time for holiday. Yep. Yes, indeed. I, uh, I had an interesting day today. Um, I was telling Abram right before we went, uh, went live that uh, if you've been following along for a while, you know that I've been working with an organization here in Tampa to uh, produce a robotics center and a fab lab. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we finally signed a lease on a space, and I got to see the space, and I spent a couple hours in there today. It is unbelievably huge, and uh, it's like 7,500 square feet. It's huge. It is an old uh, champs uh, uh, sportswear and shoe store. <laughs> so it's huge. It's got a massive back room. And uh, it's going to have enough space for us to put a full uh, first robotics competition field, which is about the size of a volleyball court. 
a first tech challenge field, first Lego league fields, and we're going to have uh, all kinds of manufacturing stations with, with tools, and we're going to build a, a podcast studio in there, and it is going to be so much fun. I can't wait. Um, if you want to follow the journey on that, it is the Amrock Fab Lab, A-M-R-O-C, uh, Advanced Manufacturing and Robotics Center is Amrock, and then Fab Lab is because it's a fabrication lab, and you can find that on uh, on Facebook. And I think I saw an Instagram post just before we went live with some photos from our walkthrough today. It's oh, it's such a cool space, and I can't wait to continue to bring you guys information about it and uh, be able to broadcast out of there at some point in the future. It's going to be so cool. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Do they are they gonna have beds there so I can move in there? <laughs> uh, we have on more than one occasion talked about the need to have cots in the office that we can pull out for just that. Yeah. <laughs> have it a little bit like an old school YMCA, right? Yes. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's oh I can't wait. It's such a cool space. And it's we're so excited about it, even though it's just like a big empty space with slot wall. Right. <laughs> that's that's literally all it is right now. But we can all see like the robotics field and everything set up in our heads. And oh, so cool. It's been a while since I've been excited about a project like this. That's great. It's like like the, the kind of excitement we see on your face when you're working on like a an Arduino project and things like yeah. that. That like, yeah. Woo-hoo! I have been, I have been, but I just can't never get quite all the right parts. I'm still working on like my, I need to get a larger project box. Like I, I ordered one and I thought it would be big enough for like my Raspberry Pi zero and uh-huh. it's still too small. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and I got these buttons, right? Cause I decided I wanted to put buttons for like going forward and backward on this window to Scotland project. Like instead of the pot, know, right? Yeah, because well, the problem with the pot, the potentiometer, is that it's a like it, the number changes a little too frequently. It's like not as stable as it should be. Uh huh. Um, so I mean, I could use it, but I thought, oh, what if I get buttons? But like, get some really good buttons. So I ordered these buttons that are really awesome. Look at this. Oh yes, like like uh, arcade fight like stick arc- buttons. Exact, exactly. Yes. Right. <laughs> My favorite kind of buttons. I ordered a bunch of them, but. <laughs> They're much bigger than the box. Uh, okay. And so is the, so is the, the box too, that I ordered was way too small. But yeah, uh, I had to find a box awesome. I can a box I can put these into. These may be too good for this project. I may have to use them for something else. But uh, I got a box of like five of them for six bucks, so it wasn't nice. It was terrible. See, I just like <laughs> pressing them. I have no. I just like pressing them. In fact. Having this like this, having these inspired me to show my son, uh, my son some old arcade games uh, today, and he was like getting obsessed with like playing Dig Dug, nice, uh, and Galaga. Those were the games that he really liked. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> he was insisting that like we play, and then like it was too hard for him to like do it all at once or something. So he wanted me to like move and he would do the pump. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I, I I remember, I remember that. That was one of the things that was always fun about like arcade games was the panel was so big. You could, you could each do part of it for like, uh, like burger boss, right. As you get further into, into that, 
you kind of need two people. <laughs> so I understand. We what we we were doing with the keyboard, so sure. he was like the space bar, and I was the arrows. But anyway, <laughs> yes, I would like to set up a, a system where he could play with this. You know that that but, would be uh, fun. I uh, I know they they sell some kits that let you do it. Yeah, that let you like easily set up a a system like that. So. Maybe maybe I'll get one. Although I had ambition about like not getting one that's so ready made and like actually trying to like make it. Yeah. When anyway. I was when I was in my early twenties, maybe not even that. I might have been nineteen, nineteen or twenty. We uh we manufactured our own uh from scratch. Went to Home Depot and bought parts. Uh, our own uh, Dance Dance Revolution pad. That was a fun project. Because that thing it was stupid big, <laughs> yeah. And it it we uh took apart a PlayStation controller and like soldered onto the board for the for the arrows and stuff. <laughs> I need to get I need to really get some practice into soldering. And my unfortunate problem is that uh, I don't get a lot of even you know I don't I'm not getting a lot of time to practice it because my son is always around and he's like. I was like, okay, now I need to solder. You got to go somewhere because I don't want you in the room. And mm-hmm. he's like, no, just do it later. So you know, <laughs> I bought yeah. even more stuff to help me with soldering. Like I got this thing to hold boards in place and whatever. Nice. Uh, and I got a wick or whatever to, to you know, like suck up the solder that uh-huh. next to solder and like things a, like that. Like a desoldering braid. Yeah, yeah. I, got, I got that. But, um, you know, I, what I don't have is is alone time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Understood. Uh, so I don't know. <laughs> that was interesting. Um, yeah, I, I can appreciate that. Uh, well, I think, I think Avram, we're still looking for some, some input on, uh, on like some mounting ideas and stuff for your window. So people, if you've, if you've got yeah. some ideas, definitely still, uh, get to us if you want more details on that check out last week's episode but uh, with that let's get to some news this week's nifty gifties on f5 live is proudly powered by the microsoft store whether you're looking for one of the new surface devices the surface laptop 2 the surface pro 6 the Surface Studio 2. Uh, you're looking for a new Xbox, either an Xbox One S or X, with a whole bunch of new bundles uh, available now and coming soon. Or you're looking for uh, something unrelated, maybe some games, maybe apps for your computer, or even things like augmented reality headsets, VR headsets, mixed reality headsets, or even uh, phones. The Microsoft Store has it all. And to find out about all of those new products and more, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So, um, on October 4th of this year, uh, Bloomberg published an article that was interesting for a number of reasons. They detailed a hardware hack that came out of China that took advantage of Supermicro, who is a big uh, server manufacturer, um, using Chinese manufacturing facilities who 
added an extra chip to the motherboards of a number of servers headed for uh, particular locations with an intention to be able to grab data from inside of corporate networks without being detected. It's a very detailed article, and no matter what the result of the rest of our conversation here is, it's worth the read for a couple of reasons. The first is reading about hardware hacks is always fascinating because they're insanely difficult to pull off. <laughs> and uh, hearing about what it takes to really make it possible is fascinating. Uh, but also uh, understanding the background behind what we're about to talk about <laughs> uh, is is really important. So the story goes that uh, Amazon received new servers for their AWS, their Amazon Web Services division. And upon inv uh, searching one of the servers during either routine maintenance or something, they discovered that there was a chip on the board, very, very small, smaller than a grain of rice, that was not on the spec that they purchased. They investigated, discovered that um, it was a communication chip, and contacted the FBI, who began an investigation that turned up uh, more than 20 companies who had ordered super microcomputer or servers that had this problem. Among them being, obviously, Amazon, Apple, and the Navy. Now, <laughs> they posted this at 5 o'clock in the morning on October 4th. About four minutes later, they published another piece that was uh, responses from Amazon and Apple and, uh, I believe, the FBI, who all said, absolutely, this did not happen. Uh, Amazon said that we have never discovered any physical problems with any of our boards, any of our servers. The only thing that we're aware of was uh, a web product that came with the servers for management that Supermicro fixed uh, shortly after we got them and a firmware patch that was done years ago. Apple says in this that um, they had, until Bloomberg contacted them about a year ago to start asking questions in preparation for this article, they had never heard of this problem. They had never spoken to anybody about it. They had absolutely no records of finding any problems with their servers and um, have never talked to any federal law enforcement agency about a hardware hack. Now, Bloomberg has continued to stand behind their story. And this week... The story got even more interesting because Tim Cook, uh, speaking to BuzzFeed, said that it is the whole story is categorically false and that Bloomberg needs to retract the story. Now, that's that's pretty firm. Right, Avram, to to have somebody yeah. demand a retraction is. Yes. They, they yes. have to feel strongly about it. 
Well, uh, well, it seems to me like there's so much to this. My first reaction when I heard about the story was, well, let's keep in mind that um, that the U.S. government right now, or at least the executive branch of the government, is in a trade war with China. So this type of news sort of helps uh, strengthen the position that we should be, you know, we should be challenging China or whatever. So this comes in a, in some contexts of of uh, a time where some folks are trying to like drum up uh, fear about. I sure. mean, we had the same thing going on uh, with Huawei with. Huawei and ZTE uh-huh. getting uh, being banned from import, being, being banned from import, uh, and them denying it. And uh, I don't know; it's hard to say. I mean, I don't really trust either side with this. Like, I'm not saying Bloomberg, you know, they're a respected press organization, but it's also probably true that, like, uh, you know. They could have been fed, they could have been fed false information. They they quote four sources inside I think the FBI, three sources inside of Apple and two inside of Amazon. But that could have all been smoke, right? That could yes. have, that could have all been nonsense. We don't know. They may those people may not even work for Amazon, Apple, and the FBI for all we know. Right. You know. Right. It wouldn't I be mean, the fir- it wouldn't be the first time that a that a news organization got tricked into a story. But on yeah. the other hand, it wouldn't be the first time that Apple has lied about uh, a data leak because, yeah, oh. you know, picture gate they for three weeks, they said, no, there was no breach, but there had been, and they had known about it for nine months. So, so the interesting thing about this whole thing is like who this is obviously, obviously Apple and Amazon do not want people to would not want people to know that this happened right apple uh, if this apple happened. in particular because uh super micro uses foxconn as one of their chinese manufacturers and so does apple yeah all, apple is a particularly big target because everybody knows that they use foxconn there was all that news a few years ago about all the foxconn suicides mm-hmm. um so and the, fa- apple, and the fact that super micro uses them too suggests that if this was a real story it could happen on apple products too well i think it would call into question like any anything that was manufactured in china right right because if you're saying that the government that the chinese government is implanting chips and stuff then you know everything becomes suspect everything becomes suspect yeah uh and there's a lot if if that were true, that that would be a really big deal because like everything is manufactured. Yes. Everything is manufactured in, in China now, especially right? especially electronics. Every computer thing is is manufactured yeah. in China now, which is why, by the way, we could don't want to divert get off about this too much, but it's, I think it's related. We have huge tariffs uh, just went into effect. Uh, I think it was last week or the week before this month, right? I believe it's a 10% tariff. Uh, and 
we've heard from manufacturers who say the prices are going to go up mm-hmm. and and are, are going up. Um, it's not, you know, they're higher than they would be. Now, you may not actually see the impact of this until like another week or two or three because um, because uh, the, it takes a while for the inventory that was pre-tariff right. to be exhausted. And I guess they're not pricing it in. Uh, and then, you know, all these companies are looking for ways to get around the tariff and there are ways for them to mitigate it by having like basically the stuff shipped to Taiwan, which is not under tariff and have Taiwan do the last mile manufacturing on something or like it's a little bit hazy because it seems like it, nobody was 100 percent clear, but it seems like if the last port the last the last port of departure is not China, then you're not then it's not going to get tariffed. So like, if this this is what I've heard. So if you okay. if, if all the parts are like made in China, but it's but they send it to Mexico to have the last screw tightened or something, and then uh-huh. they send it here, then they avoid the tariff. Interesting. Now, or they send it to Taiwan to have the last you know finishing touches put on, uh, but. Even if that's true, you're still adding a layer of complexity to everything. Right. right. Because now you have to send stuff for another step in the process that you didn't have to before. So that has to cost money. Right. Um, so anyway, this is all happening in, in, in a time when the cost of goods from China is now going to go up and we're all going to be paying for it because there is no immediate alternative. Uh, all these companies are making their stuff in China. And by the way, it's not going to bring that manufacturing back to U.S. It's just going to bring it to other Asian countries. Right. Uh, so, you know, it's going to bring it to Taiwan. It's going to bring it to Singapore. It's going to bring it to Thailand. Um, but it's not going to bring it uh, going to bring more to Korea, but it's not going to bring it to uh, to the U.S. But any, anyway, I uh, I digress. So this is, you know. This is, but it's in that context that we're seeing these stories come out, right? Because, you know, there seems to be this drumming up of, like, anti-Chinese manufacturing sentiment now, uh, and you know, I don't know how accurate this is or whether this is just reflective of an overall uh, sentiment that certain people have about about Chinese manufacturing. Right. But, um, you know, until we get a more official word that these things are really happening and what the effect of them are, I'm not going to hundred percent believe it, but this is, is definitely alarming. Right. Uh, for sure. Absolutely. It, it does. It just reminds us that anything is potentially vulnerable and, you know, Keep that stuff in mind just because it's a device that that you own and have theoretically controlled since the first time it powered on doesn't mean that there couldn't be something wrong with it. That's yeah, we've and and it's not the first time we've seen this, right? We've seen, you know, Lenovo shipped laptops with a keylogger on it and on on accident, but still it was there, you know, Uh, HP shipped uh desktops with some ad thing on it that had a vulnerability. So, you know, just because you're the only one who's ever touched it doesn't just, 
you know, we just always have to remember yeah. that devices could be can always be compromised. See, sloppiness, sloppy security stuff with you know crapware is expected, but mm-hmm. you know a coordinated attack, a coordinated right. effort infiltration is is scary. Yeah, it's, it's a special level of of yikes. Yeah. This week's Pilch Point with Abram Pilch is proudly powered by Newegg. Whether you're looking for uh, to build a brand new computer or you're looking to make an older one uh, perform better with a new hard drive, more RAM, upgrade a processor, something like that, Newegg is the place to go. They've got all of the parts and they run uh, daily deals, including a... Uh, GTX 1070 Ti uh, on sale uh, right now for $359. Um, like I said, those are daily deals, though. They change all the time. And to find out what deals are available and to see all of the parts, pieces, and uh, systems, you can go to pilchpoint.live slash newegg. So... Sometimes, when you're fixing or upgrading a computer, <laughs> things don't exactly go as planned, right, Avram? Ah, definitely not. So uh, this weekend, so this week, uh, our excellent senior editor, Tom's Hardware, Sharon Harding, uh, worked on a story and published a story about uh, like the crazy stuff that tech refurbishers have seen. Uh, and, you know, it could have as well been, you know, what tech repair people have seen. But uh, when you're refurbishing stuff, you get things that people just kind of dumped off. And so the people aren't around to sort of answer for their the crazy stuff that they've done to their computer. And so it's worse. Right. So, you know, I, I'm curious to hear, you know, stories from anybody else from from anyone else who has experience, because I'm sure we all have some things. But my favorite uh, my favorite one of these stories that she collected, and you can read the story uh, right now on TopsHardware.com homepage, Hidden Guns and Vermin, PC Refurbishing Nightmares. The Someone uh, at a tech refurbishing company found a loaded gun in the five-inch drive bay of a computer. I'm sorry. I must have had something crazy in my ear. Can you repeat that? They found a loaded gun in... <laughs> The five-inch drive bay, like in the slot where the optical drive would normally be, would be if you had one. Um, the uh, wow. now, unfortunately, it was not in. There was not an actual optical drive that it was in because that would have been cooler. Like you know, <laughs> if someone had modified the optical drive to be like a, a gun rack or something, and you just hit the button and like your your pistol just kind of pops out or something of the slot. That would but be pretty no, interesting. Uh, although you had to have a pretty small gun, I guess, for that. But anyway, uh, yes. So they found a loaded gun in there. They, I think they alerted the police, but I don't think they ever found out what, what it was doing there, whether the person was just hiding it there for self-defense or whether they maybe were... I don't think that's a very good self-defense use of it because you'd have to get the case off to get it out. Yeah, it's definitely right? not a great place. 
you know, so you'd have to get the case, the panels off the case off to get it out. Plus, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a big, very experienced with guns, but do you want a loaded gun in something where when you're taking the panels off, you might shake it? I mean, I guess as long as the safety is off, it's okay. But, you know, generally I don't think you want to be shaking around a loaded gun. Um, the, uh, so I don't know. I think that could be, a, could have been a murder weapon, you know, like, isn't that sort of like the perfect, like how to dispose of your murder weapon? You put it in, a, you put it in a, inside a computer and then you send the computer off to the dump or whatever, but somehow it got intercepted and ended up yeah. in the refurbished store. So, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah, that is, that is a weird chain of events right there, my friend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now that is not the only thing that has gotten inside of computers <laughs> there, you know, um, they've also found, uh, chicken wings and, uh, other forms of uh, food, uh, you know, chicken wings, fast food wrappers, and silverware. Uh, worse, they chicken found wings. live cockroaches, mm -hmm. live cockroaches in, in the living in the cases. And when they opened them, the cockroaches inhabited the office of the refurbishers. Mm. So I'm not going in the refurbishing business, no matter no matter what happens. Yeah, no thanks. I wasn't exactly thinking about it, but if it came up, no. Uh, uh, they also found, uh, although this was not technically in the case, uh, they've definitely uh, they found a colony of rodents in a bunch of keyboard packages, and people have found dead rodents and rodent uh, droppings in in the cases. Uh, there, uh, you know. There was another case uh, where somebody had taken a hacksaw to the case so they could get a full-size card into a half-size slot. <laughs> or so the half no, no, the slot was full-size. The slot's always full. The, it was a, a mini ATX, it was like a mini ITX case or uh -huh. something. Yeah, yeah, But they couldn't, but they couldn't, I guess they said that they couldn't get the, they couldn't get a, like a small card. So they got the full card and they somehow put a hacksaw to the case so it would stick out. Um, I wish we had a picture of that, but they didn't have one. Yeah, for us. right. I'd love uh, a picture of that. What we do have pictures of, though, are uh, are computers that were in a fire uh, that they were able to restore, uh, like a, a tough book. Uh, and there's another refurbisher we talked to that actually takes things, uh, PCs that have bullet holes in them, uh, from being literally in in war zones and refurbishes them for the military. Wow. Uh, and so, like, they, they have to deal with things like the screen on a laptop has been blown off by a bullet hole. Um, now, to me, it seemed like, well, why don't you just buy a new laptop? Because the cost of replacing that is probably fairly expensive. Because they said it actually cost them something like $1,500 to refurbish a laptop that has been in a war zone. Been, been shot up, but I think... There was, they, they told Sharon that the actual new computer that it's replacing, because the government computer costs like $5,000, so it, it makes economic sense to spend the $1,500 to refurbish it. Gotcha. But, uh, it's still a net win. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's just crazy what people can, what people can fix, uh, but it's more crazy what people have put into their computers. Um, you know, obviously at the... Obviously, the Mac geniuses probably have some lovely stories to tell, uh, but you know, we—I don't think they're going to talk to the press. But 
you know, I, I mean, I've heard, of course, about people bringing in Max with hair, cat hair and the computer and things like that. I mean, that's probably like really common, but uh, food, things like that. Uh, I guess your computers are everywhere. Now you've had some experience with this. What what was the craziest thing you've seen in a computer? Well, it's not a it's not a personal story, thank goodness. <laughs> but uh, I uh, I worked with a guy when I was at Radio Shack who had been around when they still did like repairs in store, and he said that this guy brought in a VCR, so that should age it pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> He brought it. He brought it. My father still has one. He would bring in. Fair enough. Uh, He brings in a VCR and it is wrapped up in like a, uh, a towel that looks like it has seen a lot of years in a house with a cigar smoker. Cause it's like, there's that, that weird yellow, brown stainy color. And, so he puts it down on the counter, and Tim looks at it and goes, "There's n- nothing good comes out of what's happening here." But he, does- <laughs> but he doesn't say it to the guy, and so he walks over to the counter. And he said, "There was a smell coming from the VCR that he could not identify, but he knew it was horrible." So he opens up the towel and he looks, and the VCR is wet. Not like it's been <laughs> dropped in a pool or something. But there's definitely a liquid shimmer to the body. He's like thinking to himself, what? Where is my day heading? So. So he the guy says, you know, the VCR is not working, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Um, can we can we repair it? And Tim says, well, let me let me pop the, the case off real quick and take a look and we'll see what's going on and try and decide whether it's worth fixing or just replacing. And so Tim pops the, uh, the couple screws out of the back, pulls the case off and out comes, he says at least a hundred cockroaches and they scattered. So the, the liquid shimmer that was on the case and the smell that he could not identify, but knew he recognized was raid. The guy had tried to kill the roaches. He knew they were in there. It's why the towel was on it to keep them in. And somehow did not think that bringing it to a place to repair it would let them loose. So the store had to be like totally fumigated because they were everywhere. And he said it was it was the worst experience working in a store. He worked in a store that was literally firebombed during uh, during a riot. And he said, nope, the roaches were worse. Well, yeah, because how are you going to it's hard to get rid of, you know, to get rid of that. Yeah, exactly. At least with at least with the fire, you know, they basically knew what they were getting into. Right. They had to replace fixtures and things like that. But with the roaches, where are they? For how many years are we going to find the results of this very strange day? Yeah, yeah. It's that's, uh, oh man, I feel so bad for them. That, I mean, the fact of that is why I would, you know, oh man. I was it glad should... that, that repairs stopped happening in store by the time I started there. 
Yeah. Yeah. We just wow. we put them in a box and sent them away. Bloop. Let somebody else deal with them. And I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure Tim's experience has at least something to do with that. <laughs> Gross. Anyway, that's my story. It's secondhand, but it's terrible. <sighs> now, this is not to warn you. I just want to say one last thing. Every company that we talked to said that when they saw this kind of thing in a computer, they did not try to resell it. They did not try to save any parts from it. They went straight to... They said it went to recycling. I feel bad for the recycler, though. I probably should... That's that's the kind of hazardous waste that probably should just go to the dump. I mean, but but anyway, um, yeah, they did not try to, to, to save it after that. That's what they say. And I... I I tend to believe that's true because they probably didn't want to touch it. Uh-huh. Exactly. You're like, nope, I'm moving on. Yeah. They probably didn't want to touch it. It's not, it's not worth it. I, yeah. I remember Tim saying that, uh, he didn't even say anything to the guy. He just picked it up by the towel and took it to the dumpster and he came back in and said, you, that it's over. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing that can be done for it. It's in the dumpster. It's gone. That the end. <laughs> so I can't imagine any other end to to a thing like that. You know, if you find, you know, may, maybe the gun computer might be a different story, but certainly it's not like that leaves pieces behind. But you know, animals dead or alive, things. Yeah, yeah you know, the gun computer probably would be perfectly fine when you yeah. think about it. What, you know. Yeah, that one's probably okay. The, yeah. The, the weapon itself might be evidence, but... Yes. <laughs> but the computer probably is fine. Yeah. All right, so if we want to see these photos, Avram, where can we go? Uh, go to tomshardware.com, and on the homepage, you will see our refurbishing nightmare story. Ugh. Wonderful and terrible all at once because gross. Uh, I And I encourage everyone in the comments on that article to share your or on our social media to share your crazy PC stories. If you've refurbished something or you've found something crazy in a PC, I would love to hear about it. Awesome. I am definitely going to go check out uh, both the comments on the site and on on like Facebook and see other people's stories. Cause that sounds like fun. <laughs> All right. Well, both thank you. And, uh, that was terrible. Uh, <laughs> 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 it is however, nice to know that Tim is not the only one who has had to suffer through something that bizarre. So thank you for that, Avram. You know, that's this, now, if I was Tim Cook of Apple or something, I would, or I, someone else from Apple does those iPad commercials, like, what's a PC, what's a computer, or whatever, like, maybe this is their argument. Like, the roaches can't possibly live in an iPad. Yeah. You know, you know why we seal the iPad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about this stuff. <laughs> yeah. There oh. you go. Ah, terrible. <laughs> well, I I suppose thank you for that, although <laughs> gross.
This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your game on PC and on console. Whether you're looking for a controller or a keyboard, a mouse, the new Razer Nari gaming headset with a little lag on a wireless connection or the myriad of other products, including all of the, the RGB light uh, products, keyboard, mouse, mouse pad, lights for your monitors, even the Philips Hue products work with it now. Uh, webcams that automatically get rid of the background and a whole lot more. All of those accessories are available at f5live.tv slash razor. Now, we talked about two months ago about an interesting development that was coming out of Discord after, um, after Valve essentially cloned Discord's chat client to put inside of its own Steam game store and client, uh, Discord announced that they were going to launch a game store. And then kind of went quiet. As it turns out, the game store launched almost immediately in Canada. And only Canada. <laughs> and uh, this week, it has officially come to the rest of the world in beta, but it's come to the rest of the world and so we thought it was a good time to talk again about, you know, briefly about the thing that sets the Discord game store apart from the Steam store, uh, and then talk about uh, the other product that came out from them this week. Uh, if you'll remember, the thing that sets Discord apart from Steam is that Discord is more uh, like your local bookstore, or for those of you who are you know, our age range, <laughs> uh, think uh, Blockbuster Video versus your local video store where you'd go in and there'd be the employee picks. That is the the environment that Discord's trying to create. There are, you know, a very small number of games in the store. Um, and the first couple of, uh, uh, what's it, first on Discord titles were announced and... They're really cool games, so definitely worth checking out. But the thing that we really want to talk about is uh, we talked about uh, the fact that they were going to increase the capabilities of their uh, Nitro package. It used to be $5 a month, and you'd get, you know, uh, in-chat features like emotes and things like that. But now, for $10 you're also getting about 60 games for free to play similar to how the Xbox Game Pass works, where you pay for $10 a month and you get a whole bunch of games for free. We did not know what games were going to be coming to this service when we last talked about it, and we were a little afraid maybe it would be games that nobody would want to play. But as it turns out, in this collection of 60 titles is stuff like Limbo, Super Meat Boy, Wasteland 2. Like, known and fun titles. So that right there is a great for for $10 to get all of the in-game or in-chat features and access to all of these games is, I think, is a pretty great deal. Because Limbo by itself, I think, when it came out on the Xbox, was 
like seven bucks. So that I, I think that's pretty good. And it's something that Abram and I have talked about a number of times in the past. One of the things that annoys us is buying a game that doesn't come with the game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, I've, I've... and this, you get the game and you know, you've got the entire experience and you get a lot of them for that monthly fee. So what do you think, Abram? I think, I mean, anything that gives people a a chance, a chance to, you know, to play, uh, you know, to, to get a good deal on games that they're going to play is obviously a good thing. So, so I think it's great that discord is bringing this, this type of uh, competition to other, you know, to other game stores that, uh, you know, it's only going to benefit the consumers. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, we talk a lot that, you know, you add competition to a market. There's a certain point where it where it goes off the deep end, <laughs> like streaming services right now. But, you know, yeah. if you've got the right amount of competition, it only makes everything better. You know, when T-Mobile lost their minds and started doing crazy things, it changed the wireless industry. And here I feel like Discord has kind of done that that same mad scientist thing. <laughs> And uh, gone a little off the deep end, but in a good way. And it could change, it could change the the gaming space in a really great way. Yeah, I I think I think so. So I mean, I think it's great that they're they're doing something to shake it up. I mean, we're seeing a lot of different things now to try and make uh, the gaming space more competitive, the PC gaming space more competitive for people. Um, another thing that we saw in the last week is. Uh, you know, the advancement of Google game stream, mm-hmm. right? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Is it Google project stream project stream? Uh, yeah. Project stream, uh, where you can play, um, you can play Assassin's Creed Odyssey on like basically anything mm-hmm. that has a web browser. My coworker Marshall played it on like a six year old laptop with integrated graphics. It was absolutely horrible computer, but it played fine. So, uh, I mean to try it on a Raspberry Pi. I just don't have a game stream account, uh, a project stream account right now. Okay. Uh, so I have to do it at work where someone else has one and will log in because they won't give me their password. I can't blame them. Uh, so, uh, you know, but it's, um, it, it is amazing how many, how many ways it's getting cheaper and more convenient, uh, to play PC games mm-hmm. because, you know, that's, even though you know console is less expensive and a lot of people like to do console uh pc gaming is is having a you know is in a is in a growth period especially now that we're seeing uh you know esports become such a big thing Mm -hmm. people are willing to spend the money to have really good gaming pcs and they're willing to spend the money on games but, you know, anything to, like, make it more accessible to people is, right. is a good thing. The hardware companies have been have been supporting it. You know, years ago, the hardware companies supported PC gaming and then it kind of fizzled for a while. And now, you know, both AMD and Intel are are like going full in. You know, we saw you guys posted your review of the the i9 this week. Yeah. You know, I mean, the fact that that Intel added a new category of processor, what a season ago 
was it was it the last generation or two back? You know, they they added that i nine category to the top to to give consumers a bigger range of capability. You know, the hardware companies are getting back into it, and I think that's that's great too. Well, but then with stuff like Project Stream and uh, Microsoft X Cloud, you know, with that it even you know it brings console games to the PC, so you can. Yeah, we're really trying to to make gaming, whether you're a PC or a or a console gamer, more accessible. I think that's great. Now, on the on on the flip side here, it does worry me what happens if streaming services work too well, if they succeed too well. Uh, does that mean that no one will ever need to buy good good hardware again? I will, but not for gaming. You know, is that mean because there's just a lot of a lot of the money spent, a lot of the people who read our articles, they're doing it for the games. They're not uh-huh. doing it because they're not doing it because they're trying to like, you know, because they're engineers, they're professional engineers who are running some type of simulation or something. They're, you know, they're not playing an oil to, to do oil drilling. Right. And or they're not they're not producing you know, the, the level of content that we're trying to do here where we've got a dozen computers <laughs> trying right. to put all so, this together. So, yes, there will always be professionals, but the amount of people who are playing games for fun dwarfs that number of professionals. Yeah. And so, you know, although, I, I... Although, on the other hand, as as the, the interest in and the demand for uh, upward streaming, the streaming of gameplay becomes more and more popular you know twitch mixer uh youtube is shutting theirs down but facebook is getting into it pretty heavy uh you know you don't you you can't do it with a you can't do the the upward stream with a a little pc as as i can attest to with the beast to my right (laughs) don't you think though at some point they're going to combine the cloud gaming with the streaming aspect and have it all happen in the cloud, couldn't it? Could be. Um, trying to trying to do the the green screen from a webcam, and you know, put graphics from the Twitch conversations, the chat room, and stuff like that might be difficult, but not impossible. I mean, we we interviewed at CES a company two years ago or so that produced a a little product that was essentially a a remote streaming device. So yeah. it's totally possible. Yeah. So my hope is that uh, these streaming services aren't too good <laughs> because, because I still want people to keep being interested in upgrading their computers and the, the fun of, of that. Yeah. But uh, you know, keep, you know, gaming is, is really the driving force between behind a lot of PC innovation right now. That is for sure. It has been for a long time, but it is good to see that it's the driving force again in the industry because usually the most interesting stuff happens when gaming is the driving force in the PC business. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or, you know, let the professionals do it for you because that's what they're best at. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best. 
creating commentary for B-movie oddities and Hollywood blockbusters. Oddities like Phantom Creeps. Oh, boy, that looks terrible. Uh, <laughs> the way it usually works is for a couple of dollars, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever you happen to have the movie, and laugh. Uh, they also have some short films, the uh, some industry-type films, like about springs and how important they are to your life, or those terrible uh, films that the teachers used to show us in school. Uh, all of those get riffed as well. And to find out what short films are available and what uh, full-length features are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. So when Google launched uh, Chrome 69 uh, a couple of weeks ago, they added a new quote-unquote feature to the browser that... Um, made it so that if you used Chrome and you signed into a Google uh, product, Gmail, YouTube, probably not Google+, Plus, but <laughs> oh, I'm going to have some fun screwing with Google+, Plus for a while. <laughs> um, I'm one of the few people that's sad about Google+, Plus going, although, to be fair, I haven't used it much in a lot while, but yeah, it's see? sad. Uh, but if you sign into a Google property... It would sign you into the browser, but not exactly tell you that it was doing it. And by signing into the browser, it mean, meant that all of your browser history, uh, all of your browser activity was uh, tracked um, non-anonymously. Which, of course, resulted in privacy advocacy groups and uh, consumers responding negatively, as one would expect. And Google promised to quickly resolve the problem, which they theoretically did this week by adding a new switch in Google Chrome 70 that uh, allows you to turn on and off the auto sign-in to the browser. However, the default position is on, and so if you don't know about this, you don't know to turn it off, and you don't know that this feature is happening because it does not put your picture in the top right corner like you would expect when you're signed in. The browser does not let you know that it has signed in, which I think is the biggest of the problems. Wait, it's a secret sign-in? Yes. Come to think of it, I think that's happening to me right now. I, like I'm looking on my, uh, I'm looking at my computer. Like I was like, why isn't my picture there? Uh-huh. It just has a little like face, but I thought I was signed into this browser. Have they gotten rid of the face entirely or I don't know it, but it's definitely weird because because I, I am signed in. So see, I I'm, don't, I'm confused now. I don't sign into Chrome. Um, cause I use it basically only for the corporate YouTube stuff. Um, uh. because I've got a plugin that works over there, but, uh, yeah, it it apparently through all of version 69 would sign you in to the browser but basically not tell you that it was signed in and then non-anonymize all of your browser tracking which for me and a number of people was a concern. Uh, I wish that this fix would be an opt-in not an opt-out personally. 
So I don't even see how you do it. I'm looking on my on my computer now. Maybe it's because I'm already synced. So if, I guess if I turn it off. It really yeah. probably wouldn't change anything for you since you're already signed in. It's Yeah, no, I, I guess what I mean is like I don't see the option in a menu anywhere. It's under settings and then you expand advanced and it is the second uh, setting under privacy and security that says allow Chrome sign on sign in. So sneaky. Wait, I don't I don't think I have that. And I'm pretty sure I'm on. Let me check and make sure I'm actually on 70. Oh, no, it's on, I'm still on 69. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, the uh, the uh, but it is deceptive because I'm looking at this and you used to see your picture in the upper corner. Uh huh. Now I see this like gray thing, which like looks like it could be any anonymous picture. Uh huh. So, and then it's, but it, I am signed in and I went and I looked and it shows my picture on the settings page. So I'm thinking maybe they just removed all pictures from that spot. That's weird. Right. Because it's, it still looks like you're like not it, signed in. It, it still looks like I'm not signed in, which is really deceptive. And and by the way, I just upgraded to 70 while we were talking. So <laughs> like it has, it doesn't change for that. Okay. Uh, and it shows my picture, like when I go to settings, it shows my picture. So it has my picture for sure. And it allows me to actually choose name and picture. Oh, no, no. Oh, wait, I see. Okay. If I do choose, then it's going to put my picture now. Okay. But it actually wasn't, was defaulting to something else. I guess you could, I guess the idea is that you can choose what image you want for that. and You don't have to have your picture you could also have a ninja or a piece of pizza up there uh which i guess you know you could set your profile picture to a piece of pizza too and accomplish yeah (laughs) yeah i mean uh it's weird to see my own picture up there though but anyway (laughs) the uh but yeah i think it's i think it's really uh really messed up uh right oh yeah so mine's grayed out, I guess, because my allow Chrome sign in is grayed out. I can't turn it off, I guess, because you're already signed more, into the browser. If you're signed into the browser, what's the point of turning it off? Right. Because, but let me pose you a problem that someone might have with this. Um, so you go somewhere and you're using a computer that is not yours to log into your Gmail. Now the whole browser, including your passwords, is logged in. Uh huh. Wow, I hadn't thought about that at all. That's worse. Isn't, isn't that isn't that the real problem? Like that's oh, definitely yes. a huge problem. So you're worried on your own computer that you'll be signed in and your stuff will be synced. But like, let's. I think a lot of people who have Chrome on their own computer probably are signed in and want to be. But um, you know, they want their passwords and whatever synced. But uh, you know. You go use somebody else's computer. You go to, uh, you know, I don't know how many times people go to Internet Cafe anymore, but whatever. You but, have to use somebody else's computer at some yeah. point. Or, or a public computer. Uh, you go sign in at a hotel to be able to print out a uh, parking pass yeah. for a thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that's something that could happen, and you probably may not realize, especially if the icon is just like a closed little thing. I mean – but icon or no icon. So now 
that's logged in. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, better. now what I don't know is if you, if you, if you log out of Gmail, does it log out the browser too? Or do you no. have to separately log out the browser? You have to separately log out of the browser. Oh, deceptive. So think about the security violation there. Uh -huh. You go to the hotel computer, you log into your Gmail, you print the part, the parking validation or whatever it is that you needed to do. You log out of Gmail thinking, okay, no one else can get into Gmail without typing my password, but wrong, wrong. All your stuff, all your passwords are now there for the next person who uses the computer. If they go to the right site and, and if you've, even if you've logged out of Gmail, because you're logged into the browser, as soon as you go back to Gmail, can, it'll log it back in. Exactly. So they can get right back into your into your Google. They have the whole keys to the castle. What a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I see why they think they wanted to do it. Uh -huh. I know members. I know membership people. They they can't wait to get people to sign into more stuff. But <laughs> but. What a bad, bad, bad <laughs> idea. Yeah, definitely. There are all kinds of problems behind this. And Although, the, and the fact that it's opt out doesn't make yeah. it better because, you know, nobody who's in charge of the computers at a hotel, for example, knows how to turn that off. They probably don't care. They might even want it on, you know, wait, wait to see what we can get when the person goes away. Right. Um, <laughs> So, uh, oh, such a bad so, idea. Now, I mean, obviously, the the advice is using an if that situation happens, use an incognito window. Uh huh. I think that would save you, and definitely use two factor authentication. But uh, yeah. But even there, I mean, I, I would be concerned. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not great, but at least they are now giving you the ability to turn it off. You have to turn it off, but at least they are giving because. You know, on Tuesday, you couldn't turn it off. So it was on whether you liked it or not, which yeah. was not better. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. You know your basic features, you, know, you get free delivery, sometimes same day, sometimes two hour, uh, depending on what you order. But what you may not know is that there are a lot of media features that come along with it as well. Amazon Prime Music gives you a couple million tracks that you can stream for free, included in your Prime subscription. Amazon Prime Video, which I know is Abram's favorite, uh, gives all kinds of content, both licensed and original. Uh, I think Avram is excited about Man in the High Castle having a new yes, season. I <laughs> yes, I haven't got to watch it yet, but I did watch Jack Ryan, and that was pretty decent. Yes, that's another great example, um, and that is included in your Prime subscription. My favorite is Twitch Prime, which gives you one free subscription on Twitch, which you could use to subscribe to Plug Hits Live or uh, any other uh, Twitch channel, and the best for me is the free games just like uh, Xbox Live or PlayStation Network. Every month you get free games, and once they are yours, they are yours. So if you have um, if you have Amazon Prime already, head over to 
our site, uh, f5live.tv slash prime, and there you'll see our favorite uh, features and direct links to them and how to set them up, including how to get your free games on Twitch Prime. If you're not already a subscriber, you can get a free 30-day trial at that same link, f5live.tv slash prime. Something that may or may not uh, affect subscribers of Prime, Netflix, Hulu, uh, and all of the other streaming services that have uh, service in the European Union is a new rule that went into a... Well, that <laughs> hasn't gone into effect, but has been uh, finalized this week that... Um, or two weeks ago, that uh, says that any streaming service that operates within the union has to have 30% of its source at least 30% of its source material uh, or its material sourced locally within within the region which means that for a service like Netflix that produces content wherever makes the most sense whether it be scenery or budget or whatever um will not be able to do that. They will be forced to produce 30% of the content within the region. Now, Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix, is never shy to, to speak out on something that he feels will negatively impact uh, his subscribers. And this week, he said, essentially, that he's concerned that this rule... Uh, will end up hurting consumers. His goal is to minimize the negative impact, but that uh, when the rules do go into effect, streaming services, including his own, might have to remove uh, content that is available internationally so that they can make the locally sourced content uh, 30% and suggested that instead of trying to use uh, forced coercion to produce, make a company produce content locally, that maybe the EU should focus on incentives to make it more attractive to produce content locally. Uh, if you look at the city of Atlanta and the region around it, if you go back, almost just go back 10 years, but we'll go back 20, nothing was produced in Atlanta. Today, it is a massive hub of entertainment production. It all got started, really, when The Walking Dead uh, started producing there because that's where the show was based. Uh, <coughs> and the city said, wow, good things happen <laughs> economically when content is produced here. And so they created incentives to make more content there and now lots of stuff is produced in Atlanta. And if you go back a decade or more before that, Toronto did the exact same thing and stole a lot of Hollywood's buzz and a lot of movies are produced in Toronto today because they created incentives to bring content producers there, not said you can't show your movie here if it's not made here. Yeah, I mean, uh, Vancouver also, right? Yeah. Yeah, Vancouver as well. Uh. Yeah. So yeah, this is this is dumb. 
This is very dumb. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think what's going to happen is Netflix is just going to have to drop some of the international offerings mm -hmm. to some of the non-European offerings to change the ratio. Uh, but that's ridiculous. Why are you telling these businesses how to run their business? Right. If people don't like the business, then they won't. If people don't like Netflix because they feel like it's not, if European audiences don't like Netflix because they feel that it doesn't speak to them, then they won't subscribe to it. And if, uh, and if, you know, local, locally sourced stories are that important to the customer base, somebody in the region will create a surface of locally sourced content. Also, what counts as locally sourced? Is it anywhere in the EU? Does, how does Brexit affects, affect this? Because they have a lot of British shows. Yes, they do. So, so does Brexit, is Brexit going to mean that this, that that like Netflix is suddenly unable to meet this requirement, but could have before because they have so many so many British shows, but the British shows don't count as European anymore. Almost certainly. I don't know. I've you know just now, just the thought. Now I've I've read through. It's a very long document, and I tried to get <laughs> the best gist of it at, that I could, and I'm not entirely certain that the the EU is not the region. I'm not entirely certain that there are not regions within the EU that are going to screw this up even more. Oh, so if you're if you're in um you know, if if you're in uh France, Romania, sure. you have to get 30% Romanian produced shows. Not necessarily in... Romanian produced, but if, you know, Spain, France, and Italy might be a region. Mm. Who I I don't know what the regions might be. I couldn't get a hard and fast definition of what region meant, which I yeah. think is going to be a problem. The good news is that these regulations don't go into effect tomorrow, and in fact, uh, the member nations have a couple of years to start putting the regulations into place, which is part of why I feel that the definition of a region might not be what we're thinking, which concerns me. Um, the fact that each member nation implements the rule on its own worries me a little bit. Um, but uh, Hastings says that he believes that with their, their uh, originally produced content growth between now and 2020 that they have committed to, and the fact that they have been working very hard over the last year to put a process in place to produce uh, content globally, such as the uh, Netflix certified hardware and software program that we talked about uh, two or three months ago. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, things like that to make it easier for local producers to produce content that Netflix would be happy to stream that that meets their standards. Um, he is convinced that it may not affect their customers too much, but does say that it, uh, it could be hard for, um, smaller services. I don't think, I think he meant Hulu, but didn't say it specifically. <laughs> um, but services like that might become, uh, might have more trouble because a lot of their content is, uh, us and Asian produced so 
Yeah, this this is uh, this is ridiculous. Also, I don't know if it's fair to call it xenophobic since since the regions in Europe are pretty diverse. But like, what's wrong with seeing content that was created in other countries? Right. But like, I like to see con- like you know maybe I'm just coming from my U.S. point of view, but I want to see more international content on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I want to see more European produced content, more Asian produced content on on Netflix. I want to see more, like I want to see more shows and more movies that were made elsewhere and in in other languages and things like that. I mean, I, I feel like that's one of the best things about 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 streaming and about like entertainment is it can take you to another place. So right. like, right. so you know, what if you know, so what if uh, people who are watching Netflix in Europe want to see, uh, you know, want to see shows and movies that were that were shot in the U.S. or in Asia or in South America, mm-hmm. uh, you know, outside of their region? What's what's wrong with that? Right. I, I totally agree. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe people in France are obsessed with telenovelas, you know, and this yeah. And they're going to force a content mix like this. It's just so it's such a weird short sighted idea, but that seems to be the European parliament's motive lately is weird and short sighted with, with the, the copyright law that's going to create you know, a vacuum of, yeah. of user generated content sites. And it, it feels yeah. a little bit like, like the United States in like the eighties where nobody yeah. quite understood technology. And, yeah. uh, you know, the uh, Congress passed a law that made it illegal to, for, uh, any company to share your rental history, whether you, wanted to or not. So you couldn't share that you watched a movie on Netflix on Facebook. <laughs> Be, all because some judge had, you know, the fact that he rented up porn from a, a movie store <laughs> shared with the press. Like, it seems like the, they're extreme reactions to nonsense. Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> So I hope I hope that cooler heads, smarter heads prevail. But you know, this is definitely dumb. Maybe uh, maybe the members of the European Union need to think about replacing their own European Parliament. Yes, yeah. it does not seem like they are working uh, to your best interests. Maybe that's just me. Well, that is our show. Uh, for those of you who joined us live, thank you very much. We always appreciate it. If you weren't able to join us live and would like to in the future, Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, f5live.tv slash join us. Uh, from there, you can you can chat with us in the chat room and let us know uh, your ideas on the topics. Uh, if you're not, if you don't want to join us live, that is okay. Plugkitslive.com slash subscribe, which has uh, been rewritten recently. And there you will see all of our shows and quick links to uh, subscribe, which, by the way, is always free. Uh, And you can quick link to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, 
TuneIn, Spotify. Um, what's what's the other? There's there's more. Stitcher. <laughs> you can find all of those uh, with quick links. And then if there are places where you would like us to be that you cannot find us, let us know, and we will do our best to get there as well. We've been expanding our our availability lately uh, even more than it already was. So definitely let us know if you'd like us in another place. Uh, and I guess with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we will see you guys back next time. Ciao. Ciao.